Hey there, welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. I'm Andrew Brand, joined by my producer, Brian Neal, my musical producer, the one and only Sam Brandt, you hear underscoring me. And we are in a NFL championship game weekend, not the championship game, but the conference championship games weeks. Here in the business of sports, I will talk about that. I've got some rants this week, obviously about football, got a basketball rant in there too. So join in. I'm going to discuss these, uh, these issues going on as we approach the end of this NFL season that is happening. Again, I questioned it all the way through the offseason. I didn't know if they could do it. I questioned playing through all these games with these multiple COVID positives, which is not happening in the NBA as we speak. But they made it through, and here we are, the NFC and AFC hosting their championship games. And I'll start right there. I am obviously, for those of you who follow me, see me on Twitter, see me out there, unabashedly still biased about the Packers. As you, If you look at me, you see the helmet back there. Uh, yeah, 10 years in a place, you don't lose that fandom, you don't lose that devotion. And especially when you work for a team, it's every minute, every hour thinking about success and the success the Packers is having right now is so great. A couple of notes as we head into the championship game at Lambeau Field, and that's the big point. It's at Lambeau Field. The stat came over the the television broadcast this week, and a lot of people couldn't believe it. Aaron Rodgers has never hosted an NFC championship game. He's been in a couple, but he hasn't hosted. And, of course, everyone remembers the one at Seattle. It was so heartbreaking for Packers fans. And last year at San Francisco. But the at is important. Even in a, in a season where fans are not a difference maker, we saw the impact they had even this weekend. In Arrowhead, in Lambeau, in Buffalo, fans are making a difference even in small numbers. And I thought Lambeau Field would be a huge advantage even without fans because of the weather. You've got the L.A. team going up there last week, and now you have a team from Florida going up there. Not a good recipe. Who knows what will happen? But again, I'm unabashedly pro-Packers. I don't apologize for it, and I face it on Twitter. A lot of it I faced on Twitter was about the draft and not getting contributions from the draft this year, even though they're in the championship. Listen, drafts have to be judged over a long period of time. I just It just is such deja vu when people are – blasting the Packers for making a first-round draft pick that didn't play. Well, when I was there, we made a first-round draft pick for a guy who didn't play for three years, and he's now the MVP of the league. So you have to wait to judge the draft. Obviously, if the draft was judged after one year when Aaron was a rookie, it had been a terrible, terrible grade. So here we are. Uh, I think the thing to say about this is just a memory first. The last time the Packers hosted an NFC Championship game, was Aaron's last game as a backup, was my last game in Green Bay, and was Brett Favre's last game in Green Bay. So all of those things happened when the New York Giants came to Lambeau in January 2008. It was freezing, the coldest game I can ever remember. I think opening time kickoff was about minus two degrees. A couple memories. First of all, just seeing how cold it was, being down on the field and just wanting to get out of there as soon as I could and go to the comfort of the box upstairs, even though everyone else had to stay down there. I also remember vividly that we hosted the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, John Roberts, that game. And kudos to him as a... <laughs> He stayed outside most of the game. I sort of got a box for him, him and his son. He had a young son. They were taking it all in. 
he wanted to be outside. He wanted to experience the elements. And he's a Bears fan. I won't hold that against him. But he came to that game. And when it was being prepared and planned, all the, the Secret Service and the U.S. Marshals were calling me. And I'm like, you know, we got everything. We, we want to take a tour. We want to bring him around. We want Justice uh, Roberts to have a good time. And they looked at, not looked at me, but they said to me over the phone in words I'll never forget, it's taken care of. In other words, hey, Andrew Brandt, you're not, you're not at this level. Like, don't even ask. <laughs> we got it taken care of. These are bigger moments than what you have. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, knowing that memory back in 2008. Also in that game, unfortunately, we did lose. It went to overtime. Brett threw a pick, and the Giants eventually kicked a field goal. After missing a couple that kept us in the game, kept our hopes alive for the Super Bowl, it was my closest experience to going to a Super Bowl. I know how hard it is to get there. When people say things like, well, Brett only won one and Aaron has only won one so far, they only won. I mean, 99% of players don't win any. So and 99% of executives don't win any and coaches. So it's so hard. And I think people have to realize uh, it is that way. But Packers hosting a JFC championship this week against Tom Brady. I'll let other people go through all those storylines about how the greatness of them. I will say it's going to be a monumental moment for the business of sports media. Uh, I think the tune-in rate will be off the charts. I don't know what NFL, NFC championship games have done in the past, but this one should break records, whether that's 40 million, 50 million, 60 million. It'll be the second highest rated program of the year behind what's coming in two weeks, the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Packers will win. I think this is the Packers' year. I'm obviously biased, but I've said that all along. I've stayed true to the Packers. I, I, you know, for whether it's I don't believe this sort of lighting the fire under Aaron Rodgers, but I just felt like he was going to have a good year. I felt like this was his year, settling into year two with Matt Lafleur. Um, he's in a good place, and it's working for him. I don't make bets. I'm not a bet guy, even though, <laughs> you know, we're with DraftKings. But I will say this. I walked through a sports book uh, this offseason. I made two bets the whole year. Aaron Rodgers, MVP. Packers win the Super Bowl. So hopefully that'll work out. Uh, it's just a feeling I had. Some of it's biased. Some of it's emotional. But a lot of it's just feeling like, okay. They got to the NFC Championship in a year where they didn't play particularly well. I didn't think this 49ers could hold that pace, and here we are. So, NFC Championship game, the Packers, it's so exciting for me, my family, my sons are so into it. Uh, they've lived through this. They lived through the heartbreak of watching the game in Seattle and watching the game in San Francisco last year. So, we'll see where it goes, but I think the Packers are poised this year, and it's a good feeling around the Brandt household. Okay. My next rant uh, is about another team that I'm close to, and I sort of brought this up with Ross Tucker last week, but that team is the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of people are asking me about, um, and we'll get to Wentz, but about the coach change. We talked about it with Ross. You know, Doug Peterson's a friend. In those early years in Green Bay, he was sort of more than a backup quarterback. He was a coach on the field. He was Brett's best friend. He was Brett's backup. In those years before we drafted Aaron Rodgers, I would chase all these backup quarterbacks. I really would. Uh, you know the names, Kerry Collins, Chris Chandler, Jeff Garcia, try to get proven veteran backups in Green Bay, and no one would come. And the reason no one would come is because who's going to come to a little burg in Wisconsin 
to not play, you know, to not play, to not play. <laughs> because if you're playing behind Brett Favre, you don't play. He's never missed a snap. He never missed. He was injured, but he never missed. And his availability was legendary, is legendary. So that's where we were. I can never get a veteran backup with proven experience to come and play behind Brett Favre. So what would I do every offseason? And now we're talking like 2001, two, three, four, And I'd call Doug Peterson. <laughs> and sometime in April or May, I'd say, hey, Doug. And he'd be in Louisiana. He'd gotten, he'd gotten into coaching. He wanted to get back into coaching. And he'd always say, hey, I don't know. I said, come on, Doug. He said, how many guys you call before calling me this year? I'd say, I don't know, two, three, four. And then he'd agree. And then in five minutes or less, he and I, without the use of an agent on his part, would negotiate a contract. It'd be pretty simple. One million dollars, maybe a million five, and then a ton of incentives, which he knew and I knew he was never going to earn playing behind Brett Favre. And a final note about Doug. Um, everyone knows the story of Brett Favre in the Oakland Monday night game when he lost his dad. It was... It was a moment, you know, we were in Oakland. I got the call that Sunday afternoon before the Monday night game. And Bus Cook, Brett's agent, says we got to find Brett. He had a frantic nature in his voice. He was frenetic. Irv died. Irv is Brett's father. Couldn't find Brett. Could never find Brett. He doesn't answer his phone. We found Doug, and Doug was playing golf with Brett and Ryan Longwell, our kicker. So Doug handled that. I mean, we handed the phone to Doug, or, or Doug handed the phone to Brett and Deanna. Brett's wife told him the news. They came back. Brett wanted to speak to the team. Obviously, it was an emotional moment, but having Doug there was so key to everything. Uh, just a good guy. It's just unfortunate he was fired by the Eagles. I said it, though. I saw it coming because the massive organizational investment in Carson Wentz was so much greater than the investment in not only Doug, but the entire coaching staff. And if there was friction, which is not uncommon between coach and quarterback, you know that where that was going to end. Uh, as much as people say Wentz has regressed and Wentz is going to be traded, which I think, again, is just fiction, um, Doug was going to be the fall guy for that. Last thing I'll say on the Eagles is I'm getting a lot of questions over the last week about someone. As I sit here today in this office, I'm only a mile from uh, their general manager, Howie Roseman. And everyone asks, how did he get spared? Well, listen, uh, the relationship between the owner and Howie Roseman, Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman, is really strong. It's more like a family relationship than a professional one. But I think even more so than that, Jeff Lurie understands business and he can get coaches. I'm not sure he can get someone so aligned in the NFL like Howie Roseman, at least from the Eagles' vantage point. Roseman has a wide web of networks and contacts and coaching in front office and league circles. And that's something that Lurie relies on. And, and Roseman knows the inner workings of the NFL, the minutia of the cap, the rules, the regulations, the people he needs to talk to. And I just think that's there. And... The institutional knowledge is going to make Roseman treated differently than other employees in the organization. So that's not changing. People are asking, well, why didn't they fire the general manager? He put the Wentz contract together. He drafted this roster, which is over the cap and aging. Well, we'll see. You know, uh, Roseman is leading another coaching search. So I know how he's good at his job. And uh, I've known him uh, since I started in the league. 20 years. So um, he has earned, I'm not been given, earned 
his spot uh, with the trust and implicit faith from Jeff Lurie. So that's that. Okay, I'm going to get to a couple other rants, but first a word from DraftKings, our sponsor. Here's what we've been waiting for. It's UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. You can now check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. You can turn $1 into $257. That's right, $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. If he does, you'll be cashing in $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. We're all excited for this weekend's premier UFC bout. Let's not forget, football is in the midst of these championship games. So head to the app, check out all the great playoff promotions in addition to the McGregor fight. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code Ross when you sign up. Turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code Ross for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. For a limited time only, DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Okay, back to the rants. I want to talk a little... Uh, well, I'm going to talk basketball, but since we're talking about Wentz, I'm going to talk a little quarterbacks, too, because I'm not going to belabor the point I've been making for weeks that Carson Wentz is not going anywhere. The, I just say it again. The massive organizational investment in Wentz is going to keep him there. It's a dire situation cap-wise if they move him. $34 million for a player that won't be there. It's far cry from Antonio Brown's $21 million. It's something I don't see happening. It's what I've been saying all along. The answer for Wentz is not to trade him, not to cut him. It is to fix him. And now it's not going to be Doug Peterson fixing him. So that's Wentz. Now there's all this sort of uh, tension in other quarterback situations. And I'm going to get to Watson in a second. The other one that is a mirror image of Wentz is Jared Goff. And as everyone who follows the Rams is seeing, there is nothing like a full-fledged endorsement from Sean McVay towards Jared Goff. It's been this way for a couple of weeks, even into the playoffs. Whereas lukewarm about Goff and he's somewhat critical. It's really a weird thing. It doesn't get a ton of attention perhaps because it's out there in LA and people aren't as focused on it on some of these East coast teams. But yeah, Jared Goff is not in a good place with Sean, with Sean McVay. Now I'll answer it the same way answer Wentz with all of that. He's not going anywhere. Same thing. $34 million dead cap if he's moved. Carson Wentz, $34 million dead cap if he's moved. And again, in cap 101, what that means is because of the way they structured the contracts, because of the long tail of the NFL cap, you can move the contract and not have any financial obligation, assuming the guarantees are moved to the new place. But you have an accounting problem because all the unamortized bonuses – that's from signing bonus, that's from future guarantees, that's from future guaranteed roster bonuses, will accelerate upon move. Upon a trade, they accelerate. So it all flows into 2021 if it happens. $34 million for Wentz, $34 million for Goff. With Wentz, it's even more severe if they do a post-June 1, because then they would have had to pay the $10 million roster bonus before they cut them, uh, trade them. So that would be $44 million of dead money, 25 in 2021, and, and 19 in 2022, not happening. 
So I say it. Wentz is not happening. Goff is not happening. In New York Jets, I don't think Darnold is happening. I think he's staying. And here's the big one. Deshaun Watson, it's a DEFCON situation. A lot of people are making it huge. They won't be back. There's this evangelist running the team. It's crazy. It's a mess, blah, blah, blah. I say, no, he's not going anywhere. Doesn't matter that he wants to get out, but two things. Number one, it's January. Whatever torn feelings he has, it's about who they're interviewing for GM, who they're interviewing for coach, who they're not interviewing. It can be soothed over time. And we all we got in the NFL now for teams not in the playoffs is time. Plenty of it. The other reason is if you think Goff or Wentz has dead cap money, if they're traded, that is problematic. It's not even in the ballpark of Deshaun Watson because of, I'll say it again, signing bonuses, future guarantees, future roster bonus guarantees, future salary guarantees. It's some, it's, it's something like 60 plus million dollars of dead cap if he's moved. Okay. Now, theoretically, the team takes on some of that with the with the roster bonuses this year. If he's moved before the trading de- before those roster bonuses kick in, but it's not happening. And even more than the cap, it's not happening. I mean, please, they're not trading Deshaun Watson. Okay. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. And I know people say, "Well, he'll hold out." I mean, hold out. That's ten months away if that happens, or nine months away. It's not. I mean. We'll deal with that when that happens. But he, I guess the question I have is, and I know this is, it's now DEFCON because they didn't interview people or because this Easterby seems to be a nut job, whatever it is. But I mean, listen, Deshaun Watson signed a contract this year. If it, if he had any inkling that things weren't great down there and I don't, you know, Bill O'Brien's changed, but I don't know what else has changed. New general manager should be a positive thing compared to the old one. Um, So I don't get it. I mean, there is a question for Deshaun Watson. Like you could have been a year closer to free agency, yet you did the deal. Now it's a great deal and they're paying him a ton of money, but he did the deal (laughs) to get a deal. You commit and you commit years. And I'm not sure what's so different about the organization now, other than not interviewing Eric Bieniemy, which they are as we speak today, uh, that made him so mad. But anyway, listen, Jared Goff, not going anywhere. Sam Darnold, not going anywhere. Carson Wentz, not going anywhere. And Sean Watson, not going anywhere. It's not good for clickbait. I'm not good with the hot takes. And I know if I'm wrong, everybody will be clapping back to me and I get it. I'm just looking at it from a business of sports point of view, from a rational point of view. It's not happening. Okay, not happening. All those quarterbacks will stay where they are. And my final, speaking of player empowerment, we talk about Deshaun Watson, player empowerment. They're not even in the ballpark of player empowerment when I look at what happened in the NBA this week. Obviously, COVID's the big story in the NBA, but the big on-the-court story is James Harden. He was able to leverage a trade that mortgaged the future for the Brooklyn Nets that debilitated the Houston Rockets. We'll see what it does to the other teams involved, which include uh, the Cavaliers and the Pacers. This is a monumental trade, and it really is the apex in a good way. I guess the nadir, you can look at it, with player empowerment. James Harden was able to hold the Houston Rockets franchise hostage 
and to get where he wanted to be, which is with Kevin Harden and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Now, that's a whole other story, how that's going to work. They have enough balls. They have enough egos. We'll see what happens there. That's Steve Nash's problem now. But, uh, I mean, I'm just stunned that this continues to happen. And James Harden may, has made $200 million from the Rockets. He's offered $100 million more. He turned it down. Here's my continuing thought about the NBA. Contracts don't matter. Okay. You can do the maximums, but if your player decides he's not happy and wants out, the contract is a suggestion to hold him there. It's not going to hold him there because players have so much power at that A-list level. They can basically do what they want where Anthony Davis can wake up and decide he want to be in New Orleans anymore. He wants to be in LA with LeBron done. <laughs> okay. Uh, Paul George can wake up and not want to be in Oklahoma city anymore. Done, you know, done where, uh, LeBron can move around and I don't fault LeBron because he's free agent. You know, he hasn't done this under contract. Um, you know, Russ Westbrook. I mean, it's just done. I mean, and here we go. James Harden has whatever this year and next year left, but he's gone done. It's over. He goes to Brooklyn. He has no remorse about the Rockets. And he played great there. He's one of the A-list players in the history of the sport. But the fact he's able to do that, and it just shows you, and, and I'm left with this. I'm a Sixers fan, you know, and I'm a Bucks fan living in Wisconsin. Just think about, I'm looking at it from a front office point of view. They hold so much power that if Giannis in Milwaukee or Joel Embiid in Philadelphia decide one day, one day, they don't want to be in Milwaukee or Philadelphia and they want to go to X, pick a name, New York, L.A., Dallas, Miami, whatever it is, it's over. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's where we are. It's over. There's no, what are you going to do? Pay them more? They're making maximum. What are you going to do? Buy them jets? You can't do that. That's against the cap. What are you going to do? Like uh, move the franchise for them? Can't do that. Like if they decide contract or no contract, they don't want to be in your organization. It's over. And then it's just scrambling to get massive amounts of compensation. Now you may ask, well, why can't Deshaun Watson do that? Well, one, the team can say no. And I don't think that player can leverage the team like a basketball player. Um, and because the it, one thing about the NFL cap is the team can behind, hide behind that cap. Whereas in the NBA, you trade uh, James Harden. You have no cap lingering with James Harden. There's no the long tail of economics in NBA cap with unamortized bonus accelerating upon trade. That doesn't happen. You just lose the money. And then you bring on different money like they did with Oladipo. So this is really, uh, I'll say it again, then I'll leave it here. The James Harden thing has me thinking, if you're a basketball front office person and you have an A-list star, you cannot sleep well at night if you think there is any inkling, a 0.001% that your superstar may be unhappy. That's enormous power. That's enormous power. <laughs> I mean, imagine living like that. 
That's why it's tough. Um, that's why the players hold the cards. That's why the players in the NBA are bigger than rock stars, bigger than uh, movie stars. They have true power beyond their maximum salaries. Okay. That'll do it for this week's Branch Rants edition of the Business of Sports. Thanks to Brian Neal, my producer, my musical producer, the one and only Sam Brandt, big Packers fan, as he and I and his brother get ready for the Packers championship game this weekend. We will be rooting them on big time, even though it's been a long time since I've been there, but our loyalty does not die. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for following me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. I now have a newsletter. Please sign up. It's growing fast. Andrew-Brandt.com is how you sign up. And of course, Apple podcast rankings and comments are appreciated. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt.